Okay. If everybody's ready, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, George Tech head coach Jeff Collins. Coach, if you could open up with a quick statement before we uh, have questions. Anything for you, Mike? No. Thanks. Um, so Saturday, uh, guys played really hard. Um, it's, you know, a couple of days have passed, so the process is uh, Sunday we come in, <clears throat> have to tell the true Sunday, uh, everything that happened in the game, good, bad. Um, we go through, uh, put it to bed, uh, and then move on. And then I have to come in and have a radio show to talk about it. Then I have to do a TV show with Andy Demetra and talk about it. And so uh, as an organization, we've moved on. We've learned from it, had a really good practice out there today. Uh, you guys were out there for the team run period uh, and the team force period. And it was, it was as good um, of a team run, team force, good on good period uh, as we've had all year. And that's just a credit to the guys, credit to the leadership um, that is in our program. So just, just proud of them the way uh, they've embraced the mentality that we have, uh, you know, working really hard to go 1-0 every week, put the previous game behind it, learn from the good, learn from the bad, and uh, move on. So uh, we've done that. We're doing that uh, right now. Uh, Saturday uh, is Heroes Day, uh, Bobby Dodd Stadium on Grant Field. And uh, that's a big deal for us. So in, in our in our culture, um, you know, the highest honor that you can be considered is to be considered a great teammate. And in being a great teammate, uh, it's giving of yourself for the betterment of others. And I think all of the, the military service, the veterans, uh, first responders, right, Mike? Yes. First responders, I mean, that's what they do. Um, on a daily basis for all of us and just the, the amount of respect that we have uh, in this program for everyone um, that does those things and play those roles. Uh, we have two workouts in the off season uh, that we honor. Um, one of them is uh, the protect and serve workout. And I'm wearing the protect and serve workout shirt. So we have uh, the local fire department come out and it's, a, it's a, about a two, a little over a two hour workout and it's grueling, it's challenging, um, but we learn uh, a little bit throughout the hard work um, and gain a great deal of respect uh, for, the, for the men and women that uh, you know, are you know, in the fire department. Uh, and then another big part of our culture is the, the program workout. And Eric Capitulik, who is the CEO and founder of the program, uh, comes in, it comes in multiple times a year, but does the program workout. And just as a cultural piece to our program, um, it is as big of a deal um, as we do in the entire year. And the lessons that we learn from it, uh, Eric has written a book uh, with, his, with his staff uh, that's really, really good. I think you can get it on Amazon or whatever, but uh, it's called The Program. And uh, just uh, those kind of things culturally and the foundations that are laid uh, in those things, you know, pay huge dividends for us. Uh, saw a tweet uh, about nominating a veteran uh, that is a hero, and uh, I'd like to nominate my father-in-law, uh, John Haynes, uh, who served in Vietnam and uh, was in the Army. And uh, you know, I've lost my biological father's past. My stepfather, who raised me, has passed. And uh, without getting too emotional, uh, the role that, that he has played in my life um, is nothing short of special. And uh, I'm lucky to, you know, that he's my father-in-law 
and uh, it's it's pretty cool. So I honor him uh, the little bit that I can. Uh, we had some guys that had really good performances last week. James Graham, obviously, we've talked about it, and people have talked about it. Uh, just the the development of a player. Uh, he did not, when he was getting ready to play Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, uh, self-admittedly prepare uh, in a way to give him the opportunity, to give him the chance to play at a high level, uh, struggled a little bit, learned from it, which is a positive, came back last week in the, in the you know, the week getting ready to play Virginia against one of the top defenses in the country and prepared like you're supposed to prepare. And uh, then he went out there and had success. And I think that's just another statement piece for everybody in our organization. If you do that and you follow our process, you're going to have the ability uh, to play well. David Curry, again, um, has just built on the process that he started and has learned and played really well. And then Tyler Davis was another one. And uh, the cool thing culturally uh, for that is all three of them are single-digit guys. And I think that's a cool deal that, you know, they've earned uh, the right to wear those numbers and went out there and played at a high level and uh, talked a lot about TD um, last night on the radio show. The reasons Tyler chose to come to Georgia Tech um, because he wanted to be a part of something that he was building a foundation, uh, was helping establish a culture. Um, he had... Matt Bayless is the head strength coach at Notre Dame now, uh, was one of Lou Corrales' mentors and one of my dear friends. He had been the head strength coach early in Tyler Davis's career, and uh, he knew that was the kind of off-season program, that was the kind of developmental program we were installing here, and he wanted to be a part of that. And uh, I think that's, that's really cool. And uh, some guys that really stood out on the sidelines, and it's interesting, three of the four were injured. Uh, Chris Martin did not get to play, but we took him on the trip because he has such an impact um, in the D-line room in particular, defensively, and then just as an entire team, the impact that Chris Martin has uh, is truly, truly special. Uh, Lucas Johnson wasn't able to play as well, but his impact in helping James Graham prepare throughout the week and then staying with him throughout the game and, uh, you know, helping him through it uh, was really cool. And then Connor Hansen uh, has, has played a ton of football for us the last three weeks and uh, was probably, I think he played maybe 15% of the snaps on Saturday. And uh, just the teammate that he was for Mikey Minahan, uh, who was in there playing the most in his stead, uh, just their contributions was really cool. Last point I wanted to make, there's been a lot um, written about the number of walk-ons uh, that we took uh, to the Virginia game. So you're allowed to take 72 uh, players on the travel roster. And obviously there's 85 scholarship players that we have on the team. Uh, 14 of the 72, I didn't even know this until somebody wrote about it, were walk-ons. Uh, William Lay uh, started for us, has done a really good job. Uh, Jamin Brooks started for us, uh, played at a really high level, and, uh, you know, up front interiorly, you know, having guys that are able to step up and play uh, is a testament to coaching, a testament to their work ethic, a testament to how we run this program, that everybody gets reps, everybody is developing in this program so that they can play at a high level. And I just want to make sure these young men have names. They are not just walk-ons in this program. We don't even think about that ever. 
we are blessed to coach every player that we have, whether it's scholarship or walk-on. Uh, Josh Wancato uh, has played a bunch of football for us this year, receiver, punt returner. Cade Long, um, the only thing that we ever talk about on this team for starters is on the punt team. And Cade has played every single snap on the punt team this year and played it at a high level. Uh, Taylor McCauley, true freshman walk-on linebacker, uh, played three goal line snaps on defense as a true freshman. Dylan Leonard starts on punt, does a great job for us. Devin Smith is one of our special teams. Uh, guys, he plays on basically every special team for us. Uh, Chet Lagod and Hamp Gibbs. Uh, Henson Fowler, D. Lyman, Spence Massey. Uh, whose dad played here, Liam Byrne, Olin Broadway, and Jack Coco. Um, so just want to make sure we recognize that, that those young men uh, that we're blessed to coach have names, and uh, we recognize that their effort and their contribution to this team uh, is really cool, and we're proud of them. So with that, I'll open up for questions. Raise your hand, that microphone. Your last three games here at home, but... You have kind of a weird situation where you have to play Virginia Tech and you turn around and play Thursday. Right. Does that change anything in the way you approach the game? Or you just, in terms of trying to, for lack of a better term, pitch counts on guys and that kind of thing? So that's, uh, that's a great question. Um, so that is part of our process. So we know uh, going to we had one of these situations last year. Um, you know, so we adjust our schedule for a 12-day plan um, instead of a 14-day plan, and uh, so we've already started instituting that plan and that workout, the workup to play two games in 12 ga 12 days, three games in 13 days. However, you want to look at it, and uh, so that is there's not a detail that is left. Uncheck Pat Boyle, um, who's our strategic analyst that does a great job um, with all of those things in concert with Ryan Horton, our director of applied sciences. So we already had this plan set up. We did it last year, uh, worked out the things that we felt like we needed to improve off of last year's process, and uh, already had a plan going into the season how we were going to manage, uh, you know, this 12-day window. And uh, so that's... That's what we do, and we do have a plan for it. Yep. What does that plan kind of look like? Uh, don't want to give out too much of it. Yeah, but um, yep. <laughs> but it's it's worked well for us, and we'll continue to do it. Talk a little bit about Tyler Davis and, and James Graham. Mentioned that the two of them are starting to build a rapport out there on the field. Right. You feel like moving forward the last three games, he's a guy that you can really go to in, in the. You know, like third down situation, that type of thing? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's a, he's a big target. Um, everybody in this organization uh, trusts him, um, has faith in him. Um, you know, if there, was a, if there was a book to ever be written on how to be a grad transfer, all you have to look at is Tyler and Jared Southers, um, how they've come into this program, uh, how they've established themselves within the culture and really helped even lead the culture. Um, it, it's, it's really cool to see. Uh, but Tyler, Tyler's a big-time player. Uh, he was the best player um, on his previous team the last two years, and, uh, and we're lucky that we have him in just every phase of what he does and what he means uh, to us as a football program. Uh, along with being a really good tight end and a pass catcher um, and a threat uh, on every down.
Virginia Tech has kind of been on a hot streak here recently. What do you kind of make of the level of which they're playing at really since probably the start of October? Yeah, they're playing really well on, on all phases. Um, obviously, really good players, really good coaches. Um, and then you just saw the um, on Saturday uh, the heightened sense of emotion that you could you could you could see uh, honoring Coach Foster, um, who's a legendary uh, defensive coordinator in this game, and I still remember as a young coach uh, going up there and visiting and just trying to um, you know gain some insight on how to be a you know future uh, you know hopefully a big time ball coach one day after watching him, and uh, you could tell that they had a, a sense of pride. Uh, to represent him in a high level, um, but they're playing really, really good football. More questions? I wanted to kind of ask about return yards. I know against Pitt, punt return yards probably weren't at the number of which y'all wanted, and then kickoff return yards last weekend. Um, and granted, there may have been a block on the block it from back on that scope kick, but <laughs> I digress. Um, really and truly. Within those two areas, what's kind of the emphasis and as you kind of go through these last three games and what does that look like to improve in those specific areas? So on kickoff coverage or kickoff return? Kickoff coverage. Okay, so well first, kickoff return, uh, I don't think we had one returnable ball. Uh, so uh, their, their kicker was doing a really nice job of getting it out of the end zone. Uh, <coughs> so that is the challenge to our guys because uh, we have two kickers that have really strong legs. Um, they just need to find the way to execute it at a high level, uh, you know, when we get into the, into the games. Um, but just, you know, the coverages, you know, I thought we relaxed on the one right before the half. Um, the, the second, the kickoff right when we made it a one-score game in the fourth quarter, um, the level of execution and effort, uh, was at a premium, and uh, they went on there and flew down and got it inside the 20, uh, which is the expectations. It was a good placement on the ball. Um, so on a lot of the kicks, it's a uh, try to kick it on the divider. Uh, on that last kick of the game, it was on the divider. Great coverage lane, so just the location and the accuracy of the kicks has to continue uh, to be placed a premium upon, and uh, then the guys covered and kids staying in their lanes. In terms of injuries, I think you're maybe seven guys that would either have started or started games for you this year and play more above the line guys, as you put it. And have you gone through that before? Is that kind of unusual, the amount of injuries that you've had this year? You've had guys, like you mentioned Connor Hanson, that missed like the first part of the season. <coughs> you lose your top receiver. You lose Antoine Owens last week. You lost Bruce. You lost all these guys. Is this sort of been made it tougher as you make this transition to try to win games, that kind of thing, having such a depth of in injuries across the board? So Mike Flynn is awesome at what he does. And uh, the stat that he handed me before we walked up here, uh, 13 guys that have been on the ATL chart, the above the line chart, which means they're playing for us, uh, did not play uh, versus Virginia. Um, so, but in this organization, we don't even worry about it uh, you know we just have a next man up mentality and uh, you know we expect everybody that gets to play in the white and gold 
uh, to play at a high level. And, uh, you know, even with 13 above the line guys not playing in the game, uh, we still had a chance, uh, one score game and to play at a really high level against a really good football team. Um, so we don't really concern ourselves with it. I know it's out there, um, but we're just worried about the internal, worrying about our guys, regardless of who's uh, you know, going to be able to suit up and play. Uh, we expect them to play at a high level, play with a certain level of energy and effort, enthusiasm, uh, communicate with each other, uh, play physical, play tough, all of those things. Um, so that's, that's not even a, a minute's thought um, in our program. Matt? Oh, Ken and then Matt. Yeah. Uh, the, the play where <coughs> the field goal the two, you said it was your fault. Sure. Yeah, so it was a, uh, just a last-minute deal. They held their guys, so we were uh, ready to go field goal block. And so they had the field goal team, then they ran out the punt team late. So we were already in a safe mode. And, uh, you know, we put Wanye back there. Supposed to be toes on the 10. Um, and he just drifted too far back. Um, so that's that's all that happened. Coach, you decided to go with Wes as well as they figured going into the game and, you know, missing his one attempt. What's the message you send to both him and Brent King to maybe get some of their confidence back in the final three games of the season? Uh, I think it's more my confidence <laughs> that we're concerned with, and uh, you know, so they challenged them. Uh, had a long conversation with them yesterday. Uh, they both have strong legs, um, both tremendous competitors, and uh, you know, just need to execute um, at a high level. And uh, we expect them to, and they can. And, uh, you know, I think they will. I wanted to ask specifically about Malachi Carter and kind of the role that he has played over the course of not only just this season, but also in the overall transition of um, what it is that y'all are wanting to put in place offensively. Yep. Um, kind of as one of the voices in that wide receiver room and kind of what you see from him. Uh, so... Uh, you guys aren't in the team meetings. I know you've been in them a little bit, but every single day uh, that we have a team meeting, um, it is building a culture. It's creating a mindset. Um, it is going over and over and over what it means uh, to play at a high level um, in this organization and at this institution. And so Malachi, his catch that he made on Saturday, uh, which was a great catch, and it even went viral, you know, in the Georgia Tech fan base because it was really, really, really good catch. Um, my proudest thing about Malachi is he went two weeks over. But that didn't change his thought process. It didn't change his mindset. It didn't change his work habits. It elevated even maybe his preparation habits. And, uh, and these are empirical numbers that he is going hard and elevating his game every single week. And in that moment, it paid off. And just stick to the process. Good things are going to come um, is the message and the mindset. And Malachi uh, is living it and breathing it. And then he had success. And uh, it's going to continue to come for him. Uh, we've got a lot of really good receivers in that room. Coach Dixon does a great job um, coaching them. And uh, just even look at the development of Tobias Oliver. I mean, just at 
three to four weeks at that position full time, uh, his development, his growth, the top end of the routes, reading the, the, the coverage concepts from a different position rather than just quarterback, it takes time, but he's bought into it. And I, I thought Tobias played at a really high level as well. And uh, it's, it's cool to see. Time for a couple more for Coach to start with Ken. You've um, spoken often about player learning processes and, and you know, when they're able to do them, they're seeing results. Yep. With three games on what are some things that you see that, you know, they're still not quite getting this or I wish that, you know, we get them to the point. It's so, that's, a, that's so part of the process is, you know, showing them other examples. So this morning uh, in the team meeting, um, I spent a long time uh, talking about Dak Prescott and who he was when I was blessed to be around him for, for three to four years at Mississippi State. And I know he had a viral, a video that went viral of his pregame, but that is his process and that is his, his base fundamentals throwing and he works on it and it's repetitive. Um, he never wastes a rep any time. Then I talked about Rocky Asin and how he was to go from a, didn't even have a rivals or a scout or a 247 profile picture. Had two stars just because he ended up playing at a good FCS school. Uh, didn't have a lot of offers, didn't have a lot of things. And then four years later, he is the first pick in the second round. Um, but it was a daily process, a daily grind, learning uh, how to be a big time player. And, you know, so we're constantly showing them examples of what that looks like and what that is and teaching them. And then when David Curry has games like he has and their result of the process that we're teaching them, then more guys start to do it. Then you see the pure and simple example of James Graham, self-admittedly not preparing uh, to play the game at his highest level as he wanted two games ago, then turning around a week later and diving into the process and investing to the process and then having success as a result of it, then that shines a light on more and more guys are doing it and doing it at a high level. And at first, it's, it's hard to learn. There aren't examples that are tangible uh, within the organization that you can see, oh, that's how it's done. But the more and more and more it happens, there's more evidence, um, more data to the supports. If you do this, 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 and this, you're going to get to college football Saturday and you're going to play at a high level. Collectively, that's happening more and more. I talked about Trey and Zamari. So then – they are starting to play really, really well per the expectation. So then Spider Sims, uh, Jake Lanaskew, and then young guys Kenan Johnson and Jordan Huff, then they learn to do those things at a high level. And collectively, when you have a travel roster of 72 that are all functioning at that level, really good things happen. And uh, so these are the building blocks um, of what it takes um, to be an elite program and collectively uh, play at a very high level um, on Saturdays. And then just real quick, because I see just out of the corner of my eye, caught the, the, the grounds crew working on the field. Uh, Chris May and his staff, that surface has got to be arguably one of the best surfaces uh, in college football in Grant Field. 
and the investment that our administration puts into making sure our guys um, have a safe surface, um, a fast surface, uh, is pretty cool. It's pretty special to see that level of investment, uh, especially in this day and age of player safety. Um, that that out there is happening right now. We're playing three home games. Um, Bobby Dodd and uh, you know the challenge. And I said on the radio show last night, the challenge to our fan base is to replicate the energy and enthusiasm and the investment uh, that they had the last time we were in the stadium. Because uh, these young men work so hard and uh, they fight, they compete um, with character, with class, and all of the things that, that we expect of our student athlete, they do. And then they come out there and they play with energy and excitement. And it was really cool to see how much investment from our student body, our band, our fan base, uh, showed throughout the last home game, and uh, it's going to be awesome to see that uh, for the next three home contests uh, as well. Kelly, last one. In terms of Virginia Tech, they've been kind of several different teams this year, and they seem to have sort of found their quarterback with him. But they give you a lot of different things to look at in terms of like and those sorts of things. Sure. What do you see from them in terms of just exiting them? Yeah, so so very multiple, and uh, the pictures change a bunch, but especially the last two weeks, uh, we've seen that. Uh, Pittsburgh's offense did that, UVA's offense did that, and uh, so Virginia Tech is good at doing those things as well. Uh, they're very multiple, but, you know, it starts and ends. They've got really good players, and, uh, you know, obviously coaches that are getting their guys um, in good positions and matchups and those kind of things, but uh, the thing that we always focus on is us, uh, setting edges, building walls, running to the ball, leveraging everything, uh, tackling at a high level, and uh, flying around and uh, making sure we're trying to create turnovers. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, guys. Okay.